Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I am Michael Ball. The show is brought to you by our friends over there at Andrew Sherrod Limited. And we can tell you that Andrew Sherrod Limited is uh, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. Already got a text rolling in on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line at 936-6262. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline as we put a wrap on Grey Cup 109, the fourth that Regina has hosted. And... We uh, pulled it off again. It was a great success. I know there's still a lot of talk around about, oh, a lot of empty seats. And, uh, oh, what about that halftime show? I didn't realize people cared that much about the halftime show, honestly. It's a chance for me to go to the bathroom, top up my drink. I was in the uh, press box, actually, of well, the Sky Suite, the Harvard Media Suite, uh, till just the other side of halftime. Uh, yeah, a lot of snacks and everything. It was good background music. I didn't think it was a make-or-break thing that had everybody all butthurt. And uh, the stadium, listen, it's not like how we used to watch games. Old Mosaic, you'd get a ticket, you'd go to the west side, the east side. You were either underneath, peeing in the sink in the bathroom, getting something to eat, or you were in your seat. There wasn't any mulling around areas like, uh, you know, the concourses and everything like that. TVs weren't every five feet, so it's a different way to watch a game. And yeah. Some people didn't go to the game. I'm not going to judge them. I, some people were mad. They didn't want to go. Their team wasn't in it. They didn't care about watching the Bombers or the Argos. I thought it looked really good on TV. thought the organizers pulled off a great event. And by and large, it was good. And also, the halftime show. We're not in Miami, Florida. We're in Regina, where it's like minus five or six freezing outside. I will say this. Kudos to the entertainers. They sang live which is a lot more than I could say about the Super Bowl. Hey, this guy's uh, been around a number of these uh, games. He is Luke Molliner. He had a great week, uh, emceed the Legends Lunch. Uh, Luke, just your overall thoughts on Grey Cup 109. You know, it's funny, Bobby. It was, it was what you and I talked about at the very beginning of the year when it came to the Eastern and Western um, competitors. Um, I felt that Toronto looked fresh, and I felt like Winnipeg looked banged up and slow. Um, Their defensive line for the first time seemed like they were really playing laterally. As a matter of fact, the only real pressure I felt they could manufacture is when when Richie Hall threw threw blitzes into the – into the equation. Um, I felt like they were going to have to create a couple turnovers from MBT 
And his injury actually probably did them in just because it took him off. I felt like he might have he might have thrown one late there uh, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I love that Chad Kelly came in and, and played loose, played free, had fun. But I thought it was a great second half. Um, I think that um, – the people that are that are bitching about the halftime show, I mean, uh, you gotta you gotta complain about something, right? In this day and age, ballsy. I, I don't I, like you. It, it was it was it was background music in a stadium where you could walk around the concourse and see your buddy that you haven't seen in, in a while. So, kudos to the Argos. Um, Thank goodness Winnipeg did not win. Right. You and I were going to, I mean, we would have had to go to that stadium a couple times a year, right, next year, and we would have had to listen never to mind that, that Luke. mumbo-jumbo ne- the whole ne- time. Never mind that, Luke. They would have celebrated in our locker, and we w- they would have won the first trophy at Mosaic Stadium, and we would have had to bulldoze that stadium. But now, Tor- <laughs> Toronto wins. Okay, you know, do I like the fact Toronto wins when they've got an arrogant owner, Larry Tannenbaum, and they really don't care about the CFL? No, I mean, I mean, I'm not overly excited that they won or Andrew Harris, but be honest. The Toronto Argonauts are like the Buffalo Sabres in hockey. If they win, great. If they lose, great. They don't really have passionate people that are going to get on your case. Well, for me, I mean, I think the the most annoying part of that game was watching guys that used to be in a Saskatchewan Rough Rider uniform go out there and, and really play well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of Darius Bledick. I was a huge fan of Philip Blake. Um, you know, and, and, and really those those two guys are representations of, of really, uh, you know, um, I guess the downward slide of Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, once Philip Blake and, and, and Darius Bladick, uh were no longer on this team, uh, I know we lost, lost Dakota Shepley too, but those are two really talented guys, right? And we were never really able to replace them. And, um, you know, you, you get to where you are now. But it was nice to see guys who were really genuinely nice guys. I really enjoyed talking to Darius and, and yep. Philip Blake when they were here in, in Saskatchewan. So And Enoch Mwamba, another guy, right, who was here, who mm-hmm. played really well um, and is, is another guy who's just a fantastic human being. So watching guys that used to be in the green and white win one, hey, it's, it's, it's not winning one for Saskatchewan, but it's a little bit of solace there. And you know what's cool? You got a guy like Josh Haggerty who's going to join us tomorrow. Didn't play because of a foot injury. Uh, probably when he went to camp with the Argos two years ago, thought, I'll be a camp body. I'll be out. I'll be back with the U of S Huskies. Ironically enough, he, if he would have uh, stayed with the Huskies, he'd be playing in the Vanier Cup this weekend, but he wins a Grey Cup championship, a, a yeah. A great story. Theron Churchill drafted out of the Rams program before the pandemic. Didn't play in the game, but he was a contributor, too. It's funny. The guys that didn't dress still help the team get there. It takes everybody to win a championship. And it, as you know, Luke, it's not easy to win a championship. No, and that's why everybody gets a ring. You know, I remember hearing guys talk about, oh, well, everybody gets a ring if you win a great cup. That's why if you're a CFL All-Star, it's way more special. No, 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 no. The, the equipment manager, all the film guys, everybody makes sacrifices in a championship team to win. And now, you know, you're a guy who, who does probably the best job of promoting the game. Now we can turn our attention and go watch the Huskies and cheer them on for, for, to win a Vanier Cup um, and, and hopefully see some of those guys eventually win a great cup, right? I mean, it's all mm-hmm. part of it. And, um, yeah. and, and it's just, and you're right, man. It, to see the local guys get a ch- get a chance to win a championship, um, they all played a role. I don't care how long they were injured for, but uh, when they were out there, they were doing something um, that, that contributed to the Toronto Argonauts winning a championship in 2022, and they should be proud of it. Luke, I got a text at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Corey in Saskatoon says, "Hey guys, any chance the Riders could take a look at Chad Kelly? I know it's a super small sample size, but he may have some potential. Uh, you know, it is a small sample size, but I tell you what, he showed yeah. like." 
but check this out. This is why I love football and why in particular, Luke, I love CFL football. The Argos had double the penalties. They they had a field goal block. Beattie missed another field goal. They gave up a punt return for a touchdown. Their backup quarterback finished the game and they still won the trophy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's belief, right? And and they played and they, they hung in there. I thought Winnipeg made a couple really stupid moves. I, I couldn't believe I, I and you you've heard me on the broadcast. Yep. I've been really complimentary of the job Buck Pierce has been doing for the last two years. I thought that was probably the worst call of Buck Pierce's entire offensive coordinated career when he put uh, uh, Pruka back there to throw the football. Buck Pierce has got to know as a guy who's been in these games how crucial every single play is, and you can't you can't experiment in the Grey Cup. And I really feel like that's how it fell apart for them. They 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 lost their mind in a couple um, a couple scenarios. Seriously. Yeah, they certainly did. Okay, before I let you go, man, you. Had a big role in this week. You were uh, the MC of the Legends Lunch. I didn't make it to that because I was covering practice, but I heard you did a great job. Your thoughts on that and the entire week? Because I really think it was a great a bounce back, great cup for the CFL in terms of the festivities. Saturday, I was at the the Ryderville Thursday and Friday with the Sports Cage. Did a lot of MCing. Friday it was a busy night, but then everybody told me Saturday was off the charts. Yeah, um, you know, I think that the the one group that really needs uh, special kudos and congratulations are to all the people that uh, were wearing the, uh, the the road safety jackets, yeah. the volunteers. Um, the, our volunteers uh, in Saskatchewan, as somebody who gets the chance to work with volunteers in another organization, I can't tell you how special they are. They really made uh, made this week a resounding success. I mean, I get it, man. Not all, every seat was sold, but realistically, I mean, it, it would have been way worse if, if Winnipeg hadn't won and those people hadn't drove down the street, right? But mm-hmm. um, the party leading up to it was, was absolutely amazing. You know, I, I probably did a little bit too much partying on Friday, so I was playing it. <laughs> Uh, I listen, Baldy. I thought I was actually hung over on Saturday. Turns out it was just really sick. Like I've been really sick for the last few days, so uh-huh. it's been a quiet couple of days. But you know what? Those volunteers just absolutely incredible, man. And they, you know, I, yeah, I, I can't say enough about them. And I remember dealing with them firsthand. Guys like F Troop and stuff in, in 2013 in Ryderville, and you know, they just they one up themselves this year. Yeah, Great job. For sure, man. Great job by you, too. And we'll, uh, we got lots to talk about, Luke, this offseason. By the way, before I let you go, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to brag about them Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Oh. Hey, well, you know, I tried to tell everybody, Ballsy. Nobody wants to listen to me, though. But here's the, honestly, it is kind of fear, infuriating, though. Like, where was that team against the Green Bay Packers? You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. I mean, it's, it's like the Chargers for you, right? Oh. Like, they, they, every time they do something amazing, they you can't help me see, well, you could have done this last week. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, either I don't way. Even, Luke, I don't even get mad at the Chargers anymore. Like, last night, they should have won that game. I just laugh sarcastically. Like, I don't even get mad anymore. It's like, yeah, whatever. Hey, but that Pollard kid, he reminds me of, like, a Eric Metcalf. His dad, Terry, played in the CFL. Eric played with the Cleveland Browns. Like, he's a slasher. He's a great player. Yeah, I've watched some film on him and slowed it down. Like, his ability to read an offensive line and anticipate space is, is incredible. And before I go, man, hey, the Chad Kelly thing, yeah. look, man, yeah. I don't care who you get in here, Ballsy. You could get Mike Vick in here. You could get anybody you want. You could dust, uh, you know, Randall Cunningham's shoes off. If this offensive line isn't improved by uh, training camp opening day, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders aren't going to be able to compete again. No, I agree, man. Have yourself a good day, Luke. Get better soon, okay? 
All right. See you again, Take care. That's Luke Molitor joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're going to hear from some of the combatants in the game next, plus our clutch performance, and get to a couple of your texts. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on Performance split between teammates Robbie Smith and Enoch Mwamba. Smith had a sack. Smith had one late, but it was called for face masking. So, oh no, the Bombers are going to find a way to win again. Come on. And then he blocks the kick. And Enoch Mwamba with three tackles, a dropped interception, but then an interception to help his team secure the victory. Enoch Mwamba, the former Rough Rider, uh, the first linebacker, I believe, to win the most outstanding, actually, sorry, second linebacker to win the most outstanding Canadian and most outstanding uh, player in a Grey Cup. That's our clutch performance brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Our text line's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at 936-6262 from Mark. Ballsy, I sure hope you could talk about the objectionable conduct flag on the Argos during the drive from the 20-yard line. In my opinion, you can't... Uh, Make that call there. Let them play. I don't disagree with you, but it's Speedy Banks. And this guy, just he has no discipline. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, he wins his first Grey Cup in his fifth timeout because he lost in 2013 here, 2014 to Calgary uh, in BC. And then he lost um, 2019, 2021, and he wins here. But the guy just has no self-awareness and as a veteran should never shoot his mouth off like that. In one respect, but in the other respect, you're le- uh, you're right, Mark. Let them play. This from uh, Nicholas and Mooshja. Last night was the CFL at its finest. Down to the wire, came down to one of the final plays. Longest punt return touchdown ever in Grey Cup history. Two blocked field goals. We need the younger generation to fall in love with this brand of football. Absolutely. CFL needs to do a good job of capitalizing on this game and promoting. They've got to do it with this genius sports marketing or whatever else. TSN, they just got to step up their game. You see maybe two block field goals in a year, not in the last uh, two minutes of the football game. What a great ending. And it couldn't have turned out any better. The Manitobans come here, spend all their money, and go home crying. Long five and a half, six hour drive back to Winnipeg uh, because they don't get to celebrate in our stadium. Thank goodness for that. And this from Sean. I've been to four great cups, Ballsy, and this by far was the best festival. Hats off to all the volunteers. Yes, all the organizers, all the volunteers. Uh, it was a great cup to remember, and it was a great game, too. One of the best I've seen. Awesome, awesome game. Didn't start out that way, but all's well that ends well. And you can't tell me that that game that you watched wasn't better than most Super Bowls you've watched. So, I mean, I I like both football uh, leagues, but I always get told, oh, when the NFL starts, I can watch some real football. That was real. That wasn't just real football yesterday. That was really good football. And we talked about Enoch Mwamba. Let's hear from him. Hard to describe, but um, just 11 years of hard work, 11 years I've uh, been playing this game, and all I ever wanted 
was to be great. Man, to reach the pinnacle, there's nothing like it. My brother right there, he lives in Houston now. He flew down. He's got it. He got two rings. He came down. He said, you know, I don't come to great cups and, and not win. And so just so much emotion because of the people that are around me, the people that love me, him being one of them. Got another brother. I got such a loving family. My wife is amazing, supportive. And people don't realize how much toll it, you know, it takes really all the wives on our team and they got so close throughout the course of the season specifically the fathers on the team as well look at these amazing the, the amazing girls that i have starting with this girl right here um just filled with love and just elated we don't get to that to, to the interception without you know that first drop i had i was even supposed to blitz on the first drop but i felt um i felt like i needed to drop it so i dropped i put myself in the right place in the right situation Coach Plitt called a great call, and uh, I just lost it. I lost it in the in, in, in the air. Ran down the sideline, and, and I told my coaches, told Coach Ivan, man, I lost it. He said, Enoch, you're going to get another opportunity. Chris Edwards came to me and said, not forget that one. You're going to get another one. Shaq came and he said, forget that. You get another one. And so who am I not to have the confidence in myself when I have some people around me that believe in me so much, so deeply, so greatly? And, um, you know, when that second one came, there was no way I was letting it drop. I kind of sensed a dig behind me. And uh, I just trusted my instincts at that point. We trained so hard. We worked so hard. I got Mac next to me right here. You know, the sacrifices that we make away from our little ones, his daughter, his wife. Man, I couldn't do that twice in one game. We had ultimate confidence in ourselves. We knew what we brought to the table. We knew what kind of team we had. We knew the kind of guys that we had in the locker room. I wear this bracelet. It says men of character, measured by character. And that's the type of man we have in our locker room. A funny story about this bracelet. I got it 11 years ago from our chaplain. My chaplain in Winnipeg, his name's Lauren Coral. And I, uh, I randomly found a big bag that I still had these in in my house. And uh, it's been 11 years that I've had it. I pulled it out and I started sharing it with some of the guys. And this is the type of guy that I have, the guys that we have in the locker room. Men of character, guys that don't quit, guys that don't give up, guys that are mentally strong, mentally tough. And I often preach mental toughness when I go to school schools, churches, prison, you name it, corporations, I talk about mental toughness. And today, it wasn't about talking, it was about walking that walk. And uh, we all had to display it on the field. Unbelievable. Still trying to figure out if this is real life. Well, it is real, Enoch Mwamba. As you had an interception, three tackles, you're the most outstanding Canadian and the most outstanding player. All right, so Ryan Dinwiddie's the coach of the Toronto Argonauts. Obviously, Mike O'Shea won the big trophy at the awards night. All the talk about Mike O'Shea and the three. Pete, heck, people have said, hey, if the Argos don't win, Mike O'Shea's unsigned. Maybe he becomes the head coach of the Argos. Ryan Dinwiddie had his guys ready to go. It's tough. Uh, I think it's I mean, it's got to go down to one of the best finishes probably in Grey Cup history, I assume. Uh, it just, you know, it shows... How mature of a football club we we became. Um, you know, we had a few penalties, but no one hit the panic button. <clears throat> you know, they believed that we're going to find a way to get it done. They knew it was going to take a full 60 minutes, and <laughs> to finish it like that, I mean, uh, pretty pretty unique. Well, I think it means a lot to me. Um, you know, more importantly, I'm happy for my players. That's why you coach football. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, I just love seeing them smile. You know. Love those guys. They did a, did a lot for me. Um, a lot of loyalty in that room. Um, but yeah, I think as a younger coach, you know, I kind of you know you, you get that great cup on your belt. Uh, it's very re rewarding. Yeah, Mac uh, dislocated his thumb, and uh, 
and they were working on it, you know, through through could throw, and you, you never, you know, expect to have to put your backup quarterback in, in that situation, and, you know, way, you know, the second of 15 scramble, chat, yeah, that was amazing, and I, that changed the game right there, and then, you know, at the end, before we got the field goal, blocked, you know, we were trying to run zone read, we were reading the end, you know, and they gave us a handoff rebound, I was trying to get Chad outside, I thought, you know, a chance for a big play potentially there, uh, Willie was playing to the field, so we felt like we could zone read in the boundary, so, I mean, just, I mean, you could, now, now you can see how, you know, why Chad's so darn confident. He didn't, he didn't bat an eye, man. He was ready for the state. You got to have it. I mean, you got to have confidence to play quarterback. You know, and, uh, you know, there's a fine line between cocky and confidence. You got to have a little bit of each, you know. You got to have a little bit of cockiness to you. Be, be uh, successful and believe in yourself. But you got to be confident. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you're seeing it t today. And, you know, um, I'm so happy for McLeod. You know, he's... <laughs> See, man, his legacy a little bit. He's a great cup-winning quarterback, and um, <clears throat> I don't know what the future holds for him. I know him and his wife, um, she's got a job, and he, he wants to kind of help her out. I hope he comes back. Um, I love that guy. He's fought through adversity and, you know, had a lot of critics that I don't think was uh, fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, was, it wasn't like he purposely got the face mask. It was tough. I mean, it happened. It's just like, oh, that's our season. Like, you got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? Like, the game's going to be over. This guy's battled. You know, and then Corey did a great job. When they were at the plus 45, I said, hey, we can't give him any more yards. You know, he went cover zero. We get a, you know, batted ball and, you know, potential, you know, pick there. And then, you know, had the, the block field goal. I still haven't seen it. I had my head down. I'm like, I can't watch. And uh, I'm so happy for those guys. Well, he knocks a class act. You know, and we want to get guys like that in our building. He was one of the guys we wanted to bring on. And, you know, to see how emotional he was after the game. I want to see that, you know, these guys hit their goals. And, you know, that's, they can't take it away from you. That feeling's going to last forever. You know, Enoch had a hell of a game. And you know, I really enjoy coaching him. And I really enjoy coaching all those guys. And uh, this year was a was a journey. And it's very rewarding. Um, yeah, I, I can't put it in words, but I love my players. And I can't wait to go drink out of the cup with them. <laughs> no, never. Not in the last three minutes of, you know, any CFL game I've been a part of. I mean, you know, block field goals doesn't happen too often, you know, and, and the way it did happen. And, I mean, it's a storybook ending and a um, hard-fought game. It's uh, a team, you know, that's been there, done that, and very confident group. And, um, you know, that they've, they've handled this atmosphere and emotions and different things. And, you know, I, I said all week our guys were locked in. I mean, they were locked in, man. They were in the hotel studying. That was all they were worried about was this Grey Cup. And um, early... Earlier last week, before the East Final, I told him, hey, we're going to make 25 grand when we win this cup. I said, but most of us probably spend that in the next year, but that ring will be there forever. And uh, that's why everybody does it. And uh, now I got my second ring. And uh, you know, I lost a few times in this, in this game, too. And uh, it's, 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 tough. it's tough to win a great cup. But I told our guys earlier this week, you don't have to win a great cup. You just got to win a football game. They hand you the great cup. It's a good line. Just win the football game, they hand you the Grey Cup, and they did it Toronto for the 18th time in team history, and that is a CFL record. Um, they're 18-6 and six in Grey Cups. This is unbelievable, too. The last seven Grey Cups they've been in, they've won. And they're 7-0 and against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup. Like I said, from my standpoint... You respect the Blue Bombers, but there are hated rivals. That would be like the Calgary Flames celebrating in the Edmonton Oilers locker or the Habs celebrating in the Leafs locker. You can't have that. So thank goodness we don't have to bulldoze that new stadium. The Bombers, 
Their fans, great fan base, came here, spent all their money, and left crying. And hopefully this is a downward spiral for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But you know it won't be. O'Shea probably signs in the dotted line now. And, uh, yeah, he's built a good culture there. Did make a few mistakes, as Luke alluded to, like uh, keeping Prukop in to throw a pass that was picked off. Uh, Zach didn't play his best game. We'll hear from Kolaros in a little bit. But on the other side here... We are going to hear from Wes Cates, Plaza of Honor inductee, Grey Cup champ. His thoughts on Grey Cup 109. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Our text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. We'll get to a text before the top of the hour. You can roll it in. 936-6262. What'd you think of the game? What'd you think of the week? Are you happy or are you in a bitchy mood after the week? People complaining about the halftime. People complaining the drink lines are too long. People, Come on, it was a great week. Show's brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited. Head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Our buddy Wes Cates, Plaza of Honor inductee in 2017. Second greatest running back in Rough Riders history. And he's the best running back we have on our panel. He's the only one, but he'd still be the best if we had other ones. It's Wes Cates joining us. How are you, Wes? What's up, Ballsy? I'm good. Awesome, had, man. Uh, had a great weekend. Yeah, did you get a chance to take in a lot of the festivities? And what did you think of uh, the just the week in general before we get to the game? Yeah, I kind of played it low key. Got out to some things more over the weekend, but uh, went to the alumni luncheon. That was cool. Was on the hot stove panel, did a little talking, some storytelling, and made it to a couple of parties. Ended up at the game, and yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. So, as a former player, can you ever take that uh, championship game day juices out of your system? Like, were you ready to go? Did it take you back to two thousand and seven? I don't know if I was ready to go, but uh, I was excited for the guys that were out there. You know what I mean? It definitely does. Like, it, there's a there's a feeling in there. I'm sure the fans feel it a bit too. But it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a combination of everything, every team's efforts, and you know all the all the things that happen during the season, and to be basically one of the last two teams standing and have your chance to you know get some hardware and get your name on the cuff is always worth or getting excited about. Yeah, what'd you think of a guy like Enoch Mwamba bouncing around this league for 11 years, told, he, you know, uh, yeah, you're too old, you can't get it done, and this guy's not only the MOP, but the outstanding Canadian. Just your thoughts on, on an old dude like that coming through. Oh, that's amazing. Those are, you know, that's the type of stuff that uh, stories are made of, fairy tales are made of. I mean, just, uh, he's a great player, been a great player in this league, and, you know, you always have a a little bit left in the tank, and it just takes a couple of people telling you you don't to kind of get the juices flowing and, and getting you back in the weight room and out there training so that you can have a, a season and a performance like that. I think it, it was it was amazing. I mean, just timely plays all game. The defense really stepped up, but it was cool to see him up there, you know, crying like a baby, just <laughs> understanding kind of everything that he had accomplished, probably thinking back to some of the naysayers and the doubters and the be up there holding two trophies and, 
and to be a champ is, man, I, yeah, that's got to be a great feeling. It's outstanding. Hey, another guy that came back, he's not exactly a fan favorite here. I had a tough, I kind of had a mini puke in my mouth to cheer for Andrew Harris and the Argos, but I tell you what, uh, that guy comes back from a torn pec muscle. By the way, I hope they dope tested him after the game, but he he, he, he comes back from a torn pec muscle, and I tell you what, uh, the, the gray beard got it done. Just talk about, you know, you've yeah. been in his shoes, playing against the team, you got a chip on your shoulder. What must have been running through his head in that game? I'm kind of with you, Ballsy. I was like, oh, man, Andrew got another one. I don't know about that. But, no, it was, it was good to see. You know, he's kind of the same way, right? He's obviously been kind of the the standard for back in this league, especially as a, as a Canadian, but really just as a running back overall. Coming off of two championships, you know, the whole team that's kind of beating up the league. Tells you you don't have enough left there. Well, really, basically just told him he was too expensive. So he went, <laughs> went somewhere else and and uh, it's kind of like uh, laughing in their face, kind of uh, told you so. or You know, and I mean, yeah. he, he was hurt. And Olette was really the guy who kind of got that offense going, even in this game. But uh, he still gets to, you know, he was a part of it. And I'm sure he did a lot to, to help Olette get, you know what I mean, uh, get mentally prepared yeah. for to play the way he did. Hey, Wes, you had a broken foot in the Grey Cup, played uh, unbelievably there, misdiagnosed foot, and uh, you ended up, uh, you know, gutting through it. What's it like to gut through the pain? Like, Kalaros obviously wasn't 100%. There's hardly anybody yep. on that field 100%. What's it like yep. to, to put that pain aside for the for the end goal, so to speak? Uh, I mean, so much. I mean, if you, were, if you were hurt to the point where you couldn't play and then you'd have to just sit there and watch, that would be even more painful I think it would be agonizing you know stomach turning just sick with it because you just feel like you would you would have that impact on the game that would make the difference so when you can get out there and actually perform it's a really good feeling I mean and you know they the the medicine nowadays is you know pretty remarkable and I, I really got through that game with not too much pain you know maybe a hard cut here and there I felt something and I think you know the, uh, you know a lot of guys are dealing with issues I think Calero's probably was playing it up a bit. I don't know. It didn't look like it affected him much, but maybe a couple of those late throws that that floater over the middle of the Moamba, yeah, might have been because of that that tender ankle. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you, you look at it here. You got a guy like a Jagarrett Davis, and now two. Uh, I think what is he two and four in Great Cups? He wins his second Great Cup. Played in, in a Great Cup in every year he's been in the league. And Speedy B finally gets his hands on a trophy, but he almost cost his team the game with that yapping penalty at the end. Yeah, I think he was just so excited. I don't know. It was kind of one of those. It was kind of one of those where you were in a good spot. Well, how about Kelly just coming up, coming in, and and just making the run of his probably his life right there to get the first down. But, but yeah, you guys, some guys just seem to be lucky and always find themselves on the right team. But uh, I was glad to see you know a guy like Speedy Banks get get his ring, especially uh, being a most outstanding player and uh, you know just doing having such an impact on the league. You kind of want to see guys like that actually get a ring. They kind of solidify their career and, and their mark on, on the league in general. Uh, Wes, Kate's joining us here for a couple more minutes. So, uh, uh, you know, this game makes heroes. It, it, it makes uh, heroic, defining moments. How about Chad Kelly coming off? the Like, you look at Toronto, Wes. Here, you know, you said something that was really, uh, really interesting, I thought. We'll get to Kelly in a second. But you said something really interesting that I think a lot of us Canadians don't appreciate. We're talking XFL. We're talking USFL merger, four downs. 
And you said something on our pregame show, basically, why would Canadians want to give up their game? I don't get it. And you look at that, you... Like you see, you see maybe one or two blocked field goals in uh, in a whole year, but you saw two in the last two minutes. You saw the longest punt return in history. You saw a backup quarterback come off the bench. Toronto took double the penalties, all of that, and they still won the trophy. That's the CFL right there. <laughs> exactly, it's just a, a unique game, and and there's just a lot going on. Obviously, the kicking game is a bigger part of it. The return game is a big, bigger part of it than, uh, you know, the game down south. I think uh, there was just, I think, some nervousness mm-hmm. that made those kicks not not go the best. But at the end of the day, I just think both teams, both defenses were just determined and guys were finding ways to, to get to the ball and make those plays. That last, that last uh, kick, though, by Winnipeg, that looked like it, it had no chance off the foot. But, hey, neither here nor yeah. there. Still, <laughs> it still went down as a block. In the books. Come on, you you had to be excited that Winnipeg didn't win that trophy in Regina. Come on. Well, yeah, they had, they had had it enough. I mean, it's cool, whatever <laughs> for the Winnipeg fans. Yeah, yeah, dynasty. But I think they're, they're still still be considered something like a dynasty. But it was kind of poetic for Toronto to come in there. You know, all the odds stacked against them. A lot of people almost handing it to the Bombers, and then they came in here. And really, it wasn't even like it. Was, they got out to a, a crazy jump with some lucky plays. They really just. No, uh, nose to nose, toes to toes, and 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 really just out physical. To I really think so. I mean, they just made made some stout plays when it mattered most, and and had their chance to win it, took advantage of it, and then stopped Winnipeg when they had. Wes Chad Kelly didn't look like Doug Flutie, but he came off the bench cold. Man, he had never got reps, uh, meaningful reps during the season as a backup. One, the only quarterback I think that fall in that category. But in the Grey Cup, he comes off the bench. What a run to get a first down on that second and. 15 or whatever it was. Uh, do you think that's enough of a sample size to intrigue some teams in the offseason here? Well, I mean, you definitely, as a, as a CFL QB, you like to see that mobility because it's a, you know, it definitely helps in this game with all the run pass option type of plays that you have. And then on top of it, you just seem to have a lot of awareness and, and composure and poise. You know, it was, I don't know if it was, it was probably just the moment was so big he didn't even realize he was in it, but he looked like he'd been playing all season, right? He just stepped in there and just commanded the offense and rolled down the field and did what he had to do to get the W. So I think definitely, I mean, if I'm a if I'm in need of a QB, I'm definitely going back and watching some more tape on that kid and, and strongly contemplating bringing him in. Wes, thanks for your time, man. Thanks for your time all uh, season. And I, like I told you at the end of the season, your lunch on me will just hook it up, okay? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Thanks, right, man. Ballsy. Thanks. That's, Appreciate it. The great, yeah. the great Wes Cates joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll address a few of your texts and get to some more audio. We'll uh, hear from uh, Zach Kalaros and Andrew Harris. This is the Sports Cage for our friends at Andrew Shared Limited on 620. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Sports Ticker is brought to you by our friends over there at Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. On the uh, sporting docket tonight, a full menu in the NHL, including... The Edmonton Oilers at New Jersey Devils have won 12 straight. Calgary's on the road at Philly. Winnipeg entertains Carolina. 
Kings have lost their last two in overtime, and the New York Islanders are in Toronto to take on the Leafs. I didn't see who won U.S. and Wales, but U.S. was winning one nothing in soccer over Wales. I get uh, my buddy Nick Kachmar to check that out. I know the Netherlands beat Senegal 2 nothing, and it was England over the... Uh, Iranian squad by a count of uh, six to two. Canada doesn't get going at the World Cup until Wednesday. There's um, Mexican Monday Night Football tonight. San Francisco going up against the um, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kyle Pitts, the offensive uh, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons uh, has a torn MCL, so he's been placed on the IR. Thanks, Nick. Nick updates me. U.S. and Wales tied at one, so that's the end of that game. They tied at one. Pat's made a trade, too, uh, getting uh, 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 Janelle. Riley Janelle? Ryan Janelle? Hold on a second. Give me one second here, folks. My fault. I did print that out, but didn't go to the printer to get my information, so here we go. Uh, They got... um, The Pats acquired Riley Janelle from Moose Jaw, 20-year-old forward, in exchange for a fifth-round pick in 2026. He has a goal and two assists, splitting time between the Brandon Wheat Kings and the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors. Pats continue their road trip in Vancouver on Friday. Let's get to a couple of your texts at 936-6262. This one actually from Travis. That's karma for the Bombers running up the score on the Riders and the Banjo Bowl. We'll happily take the Manitoban money. That's right. We will. I am 100% in agreement with you. Uh, The text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. Keep them coming. What did you think of Grey Cup 109, the halftime show? Um, it's a halftime show. They played music in the cold. They sang for real. Uh, did I know the Did I know the entertainers? No. Were the songs maybe a two two bit slow? Yeah, but those were their hit songs. I mean, I'm not going to get too overly upset with it. We're not the Super Bowl, so we can't compare. Um, I thought TSN's production was pretty good. Uh, we took their audio on CKRM of the TV broadcast. Absolutely horrible. They couldn't mix anything. It was terrible, inaudible. It was awful. Just an absolute disservice to radio. That's all I could say. We offered to do the game here. And I'm not saying this being bitter. We offered to do the game here, and they wouldn't take our offer, which is stupid. It's absolutely stupid. You want to promote the game, but you won't do that. It's embarrassing. That's what I have to say about that. They should let, they actually should let whoever is the play by, you know, the, uh, the, the play by play teams of the teams in the Grey Cup do the game because you guys don't really care about your product. It's embarrassing. On TV, it was good. On radio, it was not good. All right. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going after three Pete. Andrew Harris was going after a three Pete after the Bombers kicked him out of Winnipeg. Who got the last laugh? Old number 33. Yeah, this this one is definitely an emotional one. I, I can't really rank him at this point, but uh, talk to me, uh, you know, in, in February, maybe I can give you that answer. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to get back in Winnipeg again. Uh, I, might, I might get stopped at the, at the Ontario border when I'm driving back. But yeah, I mean, uh, if I had it my way, I would have never, ever left Winnipeg, you know. Um, but it's, it is what it is, and uh, we're here to compete. We're here to play the game, play the game, play the game hard, and, um, you know, my teammates... In the, in the double blue, the Argos, we, we, we came to play today. We came to play, you know, this season, and, and we came together. And uh, no one no one thought we were going to win this game. Maybe a few people, but a lot of people counted us out. They had all the All-Stars, all the player awards, the coach award, everything, you know. And, uh, you know, we got it done. You know, that game, that game could have went either way. And uh, we, we found uh, found a way. I remember, I remember when we played um, Hamilton in 2019, and they, it was the same thing. They were, you know, 15 and three, and you know they were the powerhouse. And you know, it just uh, it just, 
just gives the underdogs hope, you know, it gives them a little fire. You know, everyone everyone counted us out in 2019, everyone counted us out today. And, uh, you know, on any given Sunday, you show up, um, you know, start punching, start fighting. And, uh, you know, game swings, game goes this way, that way. And, and again, that's a great team, it's a great coach, the well-coached team. And uh, we, we just stayed in the fight, we never gave up. And, and you know, we, we definitely gave ourselves plenty of opportunity to, 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 to let them, you know, get more yardage. And, you know, we took penalties at wrong times. We, you know, we gave a field position at crucial times. And, uh, you know, early in the season, our team would have folded the tents and we would have been yelling and screaming at each other and fighting on the sidelines. And we stuck together today. And I'm, I'm so proud of that more than anything because, you know, we have so many fighters and, and people that have been through so much in this team. And, and um, you know, they, they, they play with an edge, they have an attitude, and, um, you know, we, we, today we, we sacrificed for each other, and we stuck together for each other, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's been a journey. I mean, uh, what's the one biggest thing I noticed when I first got to Toronto is this, the culture was very, very different from when it, what it was in Winnipeg, and, you know, um, trying to instill some of the good things that we did in Winnipeg. Um, slowly and, and getting guys on board with certain things and you know I didn't want to come out as a as a guy just coming in that that's new and, you know putting my presence on things and, and without having haven't done anything yet and you know there there was a lot of great things that happened throughout the season but the biggest thing is like I said we sacrifice for another one another and let put put egos aside and uh, and you know just let it all hang out for the greater good of the, of the team and not, you're not, you're not, not, you're not just yourself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the punt return, you know, we get the speedy gets the penalty there. We're second and 20. You know, we don't get the challenge, which I don't still don't get. Um, you know, then we, they go offside and, you know, then Chad Kelly takes off, you know. You know, there's just so many, there's, there's a lot of swings. There's, there's, there's a few to mention, but, uh, you know, they block a kick, we block, you know, so. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was a wild. It was an emotional game. That, that's got to be one of the top games, Gear Cup games. You know, it's got to be top five for sure. That is Andrew Harris winning his third straight Grey Cup, fourth in a row. He won one with the BC Lions back in 2011 in Vancouver, a home Grey Cup there. All right. So this guy won the Grey Cup. This other guy was denied a three-peat and a dynasty in Winnipeg. He was Zach Kalaros. Hats off to Toronto. They played a great game. Um, yeah, it seemed like we really couldn't get into a rhythm most of it. Uh, we put together a couple good drives, but um, didn't do enough um, to win the football game. So um, usually comes down to a couple plays, and there's certainly a couple uh, we went back, and uh, but they played a great game. Uh, I thought they had a good plan. Um, again, there's some plays that you want to have back, um, and yeah, just uh, didn't do enough to help the team win. Yeah, um, you know, we were fortunate there to get a, a face mask call um, on the third down. Um, and they were just dropping a lot of guys in coverage. Um, I think they got sacked at one point and um, put us in a, a third and long situation. So we're fortunate enough to get the the roughing face mask call. Uh, Greg did a great job uh, on the ensuing route, um, got us into position. And uh, there's Sam, um, you know, made a good play uh, on the cover zero there. On second and five, so you know, gutsy call by them. Um, we had a good call on as well. I uh, just did a good job batting the ball down. Just running back through the game, you know, and you know, like I just answered, uh, you know, just some plays here and there that you want to have back, and um, you know, but at the same time, 
uh, just, you know, we weren't just, you know, we don't just say things to say things. And, you know, I really, really care about the guys in our locker room. Um, and, you know, for it to end this way this season, um, you know, you, you know, somebody's got to win, obviously. But, um, you know, it's just a really special group of people. And I'm, I said it the other day, I'm grateful um, to have been a part of, of this season with this team. Um, every guy in that locker room, I love those guys. And it's just tough. It's, it's, it's really tough from, you know, from that aspect of things. Um, weren't efficient enough on, on first down, um, running or passing the football. And, um, you know, it starts with me. I got to do a better job to help the team win. Pressure a little bit more on some second down situations. Um, they were able to get home a couple times. Um, you know, kind of did what they, what we, what we were anticipating them to do for most of the football game. And they, they just did a better job than us. You got to play four quarters. You know, um, so credit to them. They never, never gave up. Um, you know, I think for you know for Chad Kelly to come in and, and, and do what he did is impressive, and so that's off to him. But again, you know, I think from an offensive standpoint, I just wish we we did more to to stay on the football field there. Um, I know there was certainly a, a I think a second and five that you know Nick and I just weren't on the same page on it, and probably could have sustained a drive there and uh, maybe got some points, but. Watch the tape, be disappointed, um, but again, um, it was an amazing year, and I'm just really proud to be a part uh, of, of this team. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that that ever truly puts pressure on any team, but you know, certainly we, we have a, a very mature group and a, a veteran-laden team, and uh, I mean, we just we just care a lot, so we put pressure on ourselves no matter what, you know, and. Uh, guys worked their tails off all week long preparing for this football game because um, it was the next game and uh, somebody's got to win. Obviously, we're looking forward, but um, you know, we have a little more time to, you know, to be teammates here the next, you know, 24, 48 hours. So, yeah, it makes me sad to say that, um, but um, enjoy some time together here as, as best we can after after the result. Zach Kalaros following their loss to Toronto. By the way, Nick points out to me, Nick Kachmar, my operator, that you better check your 50-50. I think the, like it was 1.2 million bucks, so Balsy might be taking some time off. I haven't checked my tickets. Uh, we got the coach, Craig Dickinson, coming up after 5 o'clock, 936-6262. By the way, I want to give a shout-out to my son listening to the show, Grand Forks, North Dakota. His team beat or lost to NDSU, but they made the playoffs, so they're going to Weber State in Utah this weekend, so that'll be a fun trip. And the Huskies going to the Vanier Cup, getting ready to take on Laval. We'll hear from Scott Flory tomorrow on the show. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And he does it all year long. We'll get to that in a second. His segment is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougal Auctions. 
Ford.com. Our text line's brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. Got this from John in Hannah, Alberta, the home of Nickelback, by the way, I might add. You're absolutely right about the TSN audio on the radio. It's brutal. I had to giggle when they didn't bleep out AJ Olette's F-bombs during the postgame celebration. I'll tell you what, that guy's a mean dude. Did you see him? He treated Adam Big Hill like he was a speed bump in the parking lot on that first touchdown, and that's not an easy feat to run over Adam Big Hill. That looked like me trying to tackle Ouellette. Anyway, let's get to our coach, uh, Craig Dickinson. Boy, Winnipeg got a two-headed monster, didn't they? We already know what Andrew Harris can bring to the table, but that Ouellette guy, wow. Yeah, he, he's a big, strong kid, isn't he? And he uh, plays hard. You can just you can just tell it's going to take more than one guy to bring him down. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Actually, I got this text early from uh, Scott. Scott said, hey, uh, Coach, does Chad Kelly's performance, even though it's a small sample size, intrigue you? Hey, he did a nice job. There's no doubt about it. I mean, came in and... And really took over. I didn't. I didn't know if it was a change of pace move until I saw the replay that McLeod had, had hurt his thumb. But he did. He did a good job. I have no idea where he's at in terms of yeah. his, his status. But I think he did enough to show uh, to show that he's a good good player. And, and uh, you know, maybe maybe did enough to impress uh, their management to, to give him maybe a better shot next year. Coach, is there is there something to that? Because Wes Cates uh, Cates mentioned it. Um, couple minutes ago on the broadcast here sometimes you go into a game when you're a young guy or a rookie or somebody that hasn't had a lot of playing time and you just don't realize how big the moment is and you just go play you just rip it do you believe that's kind of what happened with Chad yeah. Kelly yeah I believe that can happen for sure I think young guys feel like well I'll be here again next year let's just roll you know and as you get older I think you saw that with Enoch and in, in his you know his when he got emotional at the end you realize a lot harder to get to that game than you thought, and it's it's even harder to win the game. So I think as a young player, you got really nothing to lose. You feel like you're going to be in the game every year, and so maybe you play a little bit looser. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you say that. It's a nine team league, but you you talk to anybody. Kalaros mentioned it. Uh, Harris mentioned it. Dinwiddie mentioned it. It's not easy to win the Grey Cup trophy, even if it's only a nine team league. No, it's not. And it's a pretty special thing. I've been in the league 20 years plus, and I got two, you know, that I've won. I've been in it three times. So it's it's not easy. It just it doesn't follow the, the script. Some guys are lucky, and they've been in a lot. Other guys, they've had to work their whole lives, you know, to get to the game. And, and some real all-time greats have been in it and never won. You know, a guy I always think about is Milt Stiegel, one of the best receivers that you know, was in my lifetime as a, as a young coach and never had a chance to win one. Was was in one or two, I think, um, but didn't win it and played, I think, played upwards of 10-plus years. So it's it's tough to get there, even tougher to win it. Yeah, you, you think of Bill Stiegel, it's a good point. 2001 Grey Cup, they're the 14-4 and four favorites, and they play the 8-10 and 10 Calgary Stampeders with Marcus Crandall as the quarterback, and he comes up short. I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of this league. You don't... Games aren't won on paper in any league. I get that, but especially this league. Yeah, and and that's the beauty of football. It's different than a seven game series like you get in baseball or basketball. In football, um, you know, sometimes the best team doesn't win, and that's the the excitement of it. Is there's one game, and the winner goes on or wins the championship, and the loser goes home. So yeah, I like I like the way we do it.
Yeah, and the CFL is is really cool. Like you, you think about it, you, you might in a CFL season see, and you're a special teams guy, you might see two blocked field goals, three for the entire year across all the games. Yesterday, Toronto had over double the penalties and yardage. They had uh, a backup quarterback finish the game. They had a field goal blocked. They missed another field goal. They gave up the longest punt return in Grey Cup history, and they still won the game. Yeah, they made it hard on themselves, didn't they? And I'm sure Coach Dinwiddie's saying the same thing. But they played hard, you know, and when you play hard, and Winnipeg does too, but when you just play hard and keep trucking and keep keep working, you know, regardless of whether good or bad things happen to play before, you sometimes can can play through that. Well, I'm sure they would have liked it to have been a little easier win, but the main thing for Toronto is they found a way to win it there at the end. Coach, can you bring this up? Because I actually haven't asked you this before. We've heard this a lot. All oh, the riders, look what they gave up on. Uh, they gave up on Zach Kalaros, and look what happened. And come back to burn them. Well, I don't think it was easy as that, was it? I mean, his 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 future was in doubt just in general. Yeah, we we were worried about Zach. He'd been hit, you know, hit in the head and had a number of concussions, and he had one even when we got him. So. We were worried about, you know, his, his long-term health, to be quite honest. And after that hit from Simone and missing all that time, we had a lot of people, even a lot of people uh, within our organization that wondered whether he should play at all. And what we decided, and I think we did the right thing, was we, we can't tell a guy whether he's going to play or not. That's not our prerogative. He can play for as long as he wants. But we can we can try to protect him from himself when he's with us. So I know after talking to our medical people, our president, our GM, all the coaches, we felt like, hey, we don't want to put him out there. We're worried about him getting hit in the head again. And really, it would have been over. Like, I think that would have been the end of his career if he'd have got one more. So we uh, worked out a trade because Zach had expressed he still wanted to play. So we worked out a trade, and we traded him to Toronto. And we said, I, we hope you get an opportunity to play, and we wish you all the best. And, and it ended up working out the way it did, which in his case worked out great. In our case, didn't work out maybe as well as we'd hoped in terms of uh, he turned into a pretty good player, but we felt like at the time it was for sure the right thing to do, give him a chance to play somewhere else. Cody was playing well for us, and we quite honestly didn't want to put him out there because we knew he had basically one more hit in him, and, and he would have been done if he'd have got one back then, yeah. you know, back that close to the to the one from Simone. So that's the way it worked out, and I'm happy for him. And in fairness to uh, you guys, Toronto didn't, really keep him around long either before he was shipped to Winnipeg and the Bombers. The rest is um, is history. Uh, anything in that game yesterday surprise you at all? Uh, I was a little surprised uh, that Prukop, they, they elected to throw a pass with him a little. Uh, you know, it was kind of out of the box for them a little bit. Yeah, nothing really surprised me. I, I really thought both teams played well and played hard. Um, that's what you get when you get the top two teams at the end of the year playing their best ball. You're going to get a real good game. Um I felt like I felt like Toronto, even though they gave up the big special teams return to Janarian Grant, I thought overall their special teams played pretty well. They had some big returns themselves. One got called back on a penalty. But I thought they, they played well enough in the kicking game and they covered you know, the exception of that, they covered well, but he's he's awfully good, you know. He's and and uh, I felt like they, they played hard and it was really just an exciting game. Either team could have won and went down to the last play of the game. It's funny, Coach, on that punt return for the touchdown, it, it, if you have a guy just out of his lane a smidgen or he just kind of gets angled off as that one Toronto player did, then if it, you know you got Grant going full speed one way on a slippery surface, it's hard to get any footing. That's it. She's over. 
Yeah, when he goes vertical, he's really good, and he's he's strong enough to break arm tackles too. So, you know, that was you know one mistake. That's the beauty of football. It's just like it's just like if you you're playing coverage and your safety bites on a on a, a dig route and gets beat over the top, you got big problems. So it's the same in coverage. If one guy makes a mistake, he can make the you know the eleven other guys look pretty silly. So credit to Janarian. He's a good one now. I think you could you could honestly say him and him and uh, our guy were one and two in the league. You know, in terms of I know our guy got the uh, Mario got most outstanding player, but Janarian got the all star for the West, and you can see why he's a good football player. No, he's an excellent football player. Talk about that for a minute, though. You guys got uh, Alfred signed back on the dotted line. That's a big key for you guys. He really kick started your special teams early on in the year. Yeah, he's a huge signing. Just just the the right kind of guy too for our locker room. Works hard. Comes in early, trains. Um, he's just a, a great dude all the way around. Fit in immediately when he got here. Coach Clinton, him, just gelled like crazy because they're both country boys from down south. And you know, um, he, he's he's great to have him. And we're super super excited to get him get him signed. Hopefully, try to use him a little more even on offense next year than we did this year. But we do want to keep him fresh in the return game because I think when he's healthy, you know. He's the best in the league, and he, he proved it this year. So Robbie Smith kind of slashes in to block the field goal, but the one before that where Hallett comes around the corner. Now, that guy's a great football player, but what's the key to freeing up a guy who's the furthest out on the edge? Does there have to be some sort of, uh, what's the best way to put it, some sort of big-time disturbance inside? Because you block inside out, right? Because that's yep. the shortest path. So yep. it, it's probably that inside guy that creates a big disturbance and allows that guy to cut the corner. Yeah, I think the second guy in did a really good job of pinching pinching into the inside gap of the wing, and the wing probably went down with him and couldn't get a hand on Hallett. So credit credit to uh, Winnipeg's defensive players. I think Hallett's just a great football player, plays super hard, and he made, a, he made a key play. Darn near won the great cup for him with that play. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, Coach, you talk about uh, winning and losing the great cup. What stays with you longer, the winning, or do you lament the losses more? Well, I think you talk more about the losses because you think about it and you think, well, I could have done things a little differently or if it had gone a little different here or there. So fortunately for me, the losses and the loss happened early. It was my second year in the league, 2003. Yeah. I was actually in, in Montreal and we were playing here yeah. In, uh, yeah. in old Taylor Field in Edmonton and, and Mike Pringle beat us. So that one, that one stayed with me for a while, but I was fortunate enough to be on a couple others uh, after that that won, but... They've all stayed with the Ballsy no matter what because they're just such such neat uh, neat games and neat experiences that you remember them all. You know, uh, I saw you at the media night. I don't know if you got a chance to take in a lot of it, but uh, that really got me re-energized. For, you know, it was, a t- it was a tough rider season, as I'm sure you're aware, and uh, it didn't go the way we wanted, and there was a, a kind of a mourning type of situation here, but that Great Cup week really made me feel good about the league. Yeah, it's the one, you know, it's the one week where this league just just turns big time. And and I I think we we do our best to be big time every week, but the reality is there's only, there's only so many people that work for the league office, there's so many only so many of us coaching and so when you can put it all into one week where everybody from every team is working together to make it the best week possible, it just really feels big time. And I think that's the sense the guys get, the players get. That's the sense the fans get, and I think that's why, as fans of the CFL, you got to do yourself a favor 
and get to a great cup once or twice in your life because it just feels different than regular season. It's the Super Bowl. Uh, it's the Super Bowl of Canadian football, and it's worth it's worth coming and enjoying for a few days, that's for sure. But it's more organic, right? It's more uh, boots on the ground, more like a doctor's dressed up in a BC Lions thing, and a, and, uh, a plumber might be dressed up in some sort of bomber gear. It's, it brings yeah. everybody together, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. It's there's just events everywhere, and then you run into people. You're right, people from different teams supporting their team, and you usually end up running into old friends you haven't seen for a long time. So it's the Super Bowl in terms of the CFL, but you're right. It is a little more organic, and you, it's definitely more personal. You get a chance to go to these to Ryderville and see some of our guys and shake hands with some of the players. So it's yeah. just really a fun deal, and, and you're right. It, it, uh, it was re-energizing for me as well. We'll be back with more on the uh, Craig Dickinson Show here on the Sports Cage on 620. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Each Monday throughout the calendar year, barring major holidays, Coach Craig Dickinson joins us, your Rough Rider head coach, and you can ask him uh, questions via text 936-6262. We got a few coach first. Let's get to this one. Dennis in Southie says, only during Grey Cup week will you see a Ryder fan handing out beers to Bomber fans in Ryderville. I saw that on Saturday. Love the spirit of this league. This from Curtis in Regina. Coach, first of all, thanks for coming on every week. And Curtis says, Coach, what can you take from the Argos championship run that would help the Riders next season? Well, that's that's a good question by Curtis. Um, you know, I think the one thing the, the Argos did is they just persevered. I, I think that was probably the one thing I think we noticed from afar. Is I think they struggled early in the year. We weren't really sure who they were. But I think they found their identity probably about a month and a half, six six games ago, maybe six weeks ago. And you could see that they were starting to play really good football once they did that. And the identity that I saw was physicality on defense. You could just see that. And start, they started to run the ball more. And then, uh, and then also, I think you can also point to the fact that McLeod Bethel Thompson really started playing well. So I think the one thing you can take is don't overstress early struggles. You know, it doesn't matter necessarily when you find your groove, just so long as you find it. And um, Toronto certainly found it there at the end. I, I felt like your season and their season kind of turned. In Halifax, like you were just coming off that Marino suspension and uh, you're, you're rolling, looks like you might win the game. And then Cody gets pit, uh, picked by Winton McManus. Toronto's always had an opportunistic defense this year. And I felt that's when they kind of springboarded. And you guys, I don't want to say, well, yeah, you started the spiral a little bit, Coach. Yeah, you could definitely argue that uh, for sure. I think that game gave them confidence. Um, might have hurt our confidence a little bit, and then the next game after that was the COVID game. So mm-hmm. you're right; it was it was a it was a turning point in the season for us for sure, and then you could you could argue that maybe for Toronto as well. I got this from Dave Coach at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Coach, what does the hiring process on offense look like now? I know you said you were staying in, Coach. What does it look like? Just piggybacking what Dave said there. Yeah, we're going to bring some guys in this week. We've got permission to talk to three. We're going to get permission to talk to two others. No, we actually got four this week we're going to talk to, and then two others next. I feel like we got some good candidates. I don't want to go into depth on who they are. You'll probably find out as you look through social media, but they're good candidates that are out there that uh, we feel like 
uh, we want to interview and we want to sit down and really spend some time with. So that's, that's the process right now. We got Kelly Jeffrey. I can visit about him cause he's on our staff last year. He's in town tonight and we're going to sit down tomorrow with him and interview him and then go from there. Yeah, and uh, Farhan reported uh, that uh, Kahari Jones would be one who was here as a quarterback's coach back in the day, and Mark Mueller is another one you've been given permission to talk to. Now, regardless of who it is, uh, what do you, you want to see from this setup? And it's kind of, it is kind of weird, isn't it, in the sense that you don't have a quarterback locked down, too? Yes and no. Yeah, I mean, it ain't great. But the nice thing is who you hire can help influence that. So that's one of the questions we're going to ask the offense coordinators. First of all, what sort of system do you want to run and take us through it? And then secondly, what sort of quarterback do you want to run that system? Because we want to try to match up as best we can. And and we feel like there's some quarterbacks out there, not many, uh, but we want to make sure that the guy we hire is comfortable with who's out there and has some input honestly, Michael, and who we're going after. Does it matter? Like, uh, you know, what are you looking for in terms of, of the guy? Like, who, like, what does he got? What kind of trait does he have to have? Anything in particular? Well, kind I, of the main at? thing I really want is just philosophically, I want to find a guy who sees the game the same way that I do. And in, in terms of like, how do you see the, the role of the offense in terms of the overall success of the team? How, how do you, how do you call a game? Why do you call it the way you do? Is there certain characteristics you look for in players that are maybe um, above other characteristics? How do you view situational football when, you know, there's so much time on the clock, the scores, this, that, and the other thing? How do you teach that? And where, where do you, how do you feel like you react when, when things are stressful? Because we all know that during the game, things get awfully stressful. And what, what's your temperament like? And how do others view you when things get stressful? And I think stuff like that is going to be important just to try to find a good fit. Um, yeah, ultimately, you're going you're gonna to work hard and game plan and do your thing like you always do. But I think the main thing an interview does is it allows you to sit down with a guy and really get a sense for how he sees football, how he views coaching, and how he views his role as an offensive coordinator, and it doesn't does it mesh with the way that the head coach and the other coordinators sort of coach and how they think. So then how does that work? Does, 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 do you get the offensive coordinator, and then he goes about uh, having a big hand and pick and say his receivers coach or his O-line coach, or how does that work? Yeah, he's going to have some say. I, he's not going to hire him necessarily because I still think the head coach has to have you know the ability to hire the right people, but you want to hire uh, an O-line coach that the offensive coordinator recommends. You want to hire a receivers coach that the O-coordinator thinks is outstanding. You want to hire those guys. So he's going to have a large say in who those guys are that we talk to, but we want to get this offensive coordinator hired right first. So that's, that's where we're going to focus on that first and, and go from there. So uh, just take us behind the curtain as much as you can. Do you guys have a board there? Your free agents, free agents from around the league are going to be free agents and kind of, you know, pros and cons and where we need help and, and that type of thing? Yeah, we will. It's still so darn early and a lot of guys will resign. What we've done is we, is, as coaches have left, left Regina that, that coached here this past year, every coach on the way out does a little exit interview and they give us uh, their evaluations on our entire roster, top to bottom, and tell us you know who they think we can win championships with, who's just in the middle tier, so to speak, 
and then whose guys that they feel like we need to probably move on from. And so we have every coach do that. And then we also have every coach evaluate their position groups in the league and the opposite position groups. So, for example, Ben Olsen evaluates his defensive line here. He evaluates every other team's defensive line, and he also gives us the top offensive linemen in his mind across the league. And if for some reason those old linemen become free agents and enough of us have them as our top guys, that's when they go up high on our, our board, and that's the guys we'll be looking at if they, if they become available. Coach, when do you want to have your offensive coordinator in place by? I'm not, I'm not uh, going to be impatient on it because I think you've got to get it right. But the reality is you've got to have it probably done sometime in the first to second week of December so that you can get them under contract for the next year. Mm. So that, and we think we have enough time. We finished, you know, season's over. It's November 21st. We think in the next two to three weeks we should be able to have a, have a guy. So I'm uh, I, I'm the type of guy that once the trophy's handed out and if my favorite team doesn't have the uh, trophy, then it's like, okay, now let's move on. Let's get going. Got my juices flowing. I'm pumped already for next season. How do you feel about that? I'm the same way, man. Craig Reynolds sent me a text right after the game and said, onwards to 2023, and I could tell he was relieved that it was over because that Great Cup week is a lot of work, man especially for Craig and his crew. Uh, and then I think just kind of a, a fist bump in the air. All right, 2022 is in the book. Now let's let's get focused on 2023 and let's get rolling. So you watched it from home. Were you, did you have a celebratory drink when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers didn't get to celebrate in your dressing room? Come on, man. I was so happy. You know, I, I was clicking my I heels. Was, here's the crazy thing is I recorded it because I wanted, I wanted to watch it commercial free. And... Uh, so I knew the game was over, and I still had about a quarter left. And so I just put my phone as far away from me as I could because everybody I knew was going to text me. And then, uh, and then for some reason, I got up to get a get a drink or something, and I checked it, and I didn't have any messages in my and in my gut. I'm like, I'll bet you, I'll bet you, Winnipeg got beat because if they would have won, I know I would have heard it from a couple of guys, and I it was it was cricket. So I'm like, I got a feeling Toronto might have won this game. Yeah. And then when I watched it, certainly I saw that. I was so happy, man. I didn't want them. I thought, we're going to have to bulldoze that stadium. I was like, we're going to have to bulldoze that stadium. <laughs> That's not happening. Come on. I got <laughs> too much money to build. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next Monday. Yeah, good talking with you. Take See, care. That's uh, Craig Dickinson joining us each Monday. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL with two-time Super Bowl champ, a regular contributor to the show, Tyrone Poole. It's on the Sports Cage next here on 620. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right. Uh, by the way, should mention that uh, Kean Schaefer Baker, former Guelph Griffin, Rough Rider draft pick, almost a 1,000 yards this year, had a workout with the Jacksonville Jags. Today, he worked out with the team, um, trying to uh, catch on in the NFL. He is a, a free agent after the 2024 season, but he is free to work out. And Nathan Rourke, the great quarterback of the BC Lions, with over two dozen NFL teams interested in him, uh, declined a couple of his workouts, postponed them, I should say, because of the flu. Show's brought to you by our friends over there at Andrew Sherrod Limited. Andrew Sherrod providing... Plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at share.com. Michael Ball with you. Time to head out in the Western Pizza hotline. Ask about the Rough Rider sweet deal at Western Pizza, and you could be in to watch a game from a suite 
at the Rough Rider game next year. I watched from the Harvard suite yesterday for the first half. It was a great experience, and you could be having an experience like that when you go to Western Pizza. Time to talk to the original Carolina Panther. A two-time Super Bowl champ started in an NFL secondary for 12 years, Tyrone Poole. Thanks for taking my call, Tyrone. How are you today? Hey, Michael, how are you doing? And hello to all of my Canadian friends. It's a great day to talk sports. Thank it, God. It's it a great day. certainly is, man. Hey, how do you feel about Kyler Murray? He's in action tonight in Mexico City against Jimmy G and the 40, uh, 49ers. Before who you got, what do you think of uh, Kyler Murray so far? Uh, you know, so far, you know, Coach Kingsbury, uh, I think people are beginning to catch up with his offense. You know, usually when the offense comes in for the first time, uh, there's not a lot of film work on that coach and how he calls plays, uh, which actually I was with uh, uh, Kingsbury uh, with the Patriots So when he was backing up Tom Brady. But, um, you know, Kyler Murray, now people know how, uh, you know, he's going to use Kyler Murray uh, in that offense. So, I, I, I you know, I like – Kyler Murray's uh, mobility, and he's always going to keep a play alive. But uh, I just think it's time to allow him to be a quarterback. Kyler Murray has to learn uh, where to throw the ball and trust his arm. Uh, Use his legs, but trust his arm. Yeah. Uh, Who do you got tonight? Do you got the Niners or do you got the Cardinals? You know what? I'm, I'm I'm going with the 49ers. I, I you know the 49ers. Their offense is is, is total yards. They're in the top ten uh, uh, of the NFL uh, as a as a overall league. Uh, so that's very good. Um, I think um, uh, they're just going to jail more and more. Uh, I like McCaffrey. I think he's catching on more and more. He's an exciting player. But also, you look at the Cardinals. You know, they do score points. I think they're averaging 23 points. But I just think the 49ers uh, just will have too much on offense, and I think they'll do what they need uh, to stop the Cardinals on uh, defense. So I'm liking – I'm going with the 49ers. So I don't know that they have – I don't know what their stadium's like in Mexico City, Azteca Stadium, I think it's called. But if they are, you and I have talked about this in the past. If they are to go international, Mexico kind of makes sense because it's in an acceptable time zone, right? Yes, and actually, I played. Oh. Uh, I was with the Raiders. I was with the Raiders, and actually, we went to play. We played in Mexico City. So, and what was that like? It was our Oakland Raiders. Well, what it was like, we brought our own water. Uh, we brought our own everything. So there's no difference, I don't believe, with these two franchises. Uh, they're going to bring their own whatever, food, water, uh, you know, basically just utilize the hotel, uh, showers, and bed. That's pretty much all that I would expect them to utilize. But, uh, you know, Mexico City, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to see NFL football. And, again, like we talked about, uh, the NFL is all about, show me the money. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to take the league wherever uh, – people would buy tickets but uh, again that was my experience uh, when we played in Mexico City uh, I just remember you know hey if you need they're actually bringing uh, 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 packs of water 
and, <laughs> and putting it inside of our room. So we they made sure that uh, nothing happened to us uh, before game. Hey, uh, so in Munich, Germany, the first game played there, they had trouble with the turf because the, the, the turf doesn't hold up when you got 300-pound men running around out there. What was the turf like back then when you played in Mexico? Uh, actually, we played on grass. Yeah, thing was uh, a soccer stadium. Yes, yeah, so we played on grass, and and you know I prefer grass. I prefer grass over any type of turf, uh, synthetic turf, uh, definitely over that old carpet they used to have down. But you know, just something about grass, uh, dirt. You know, it gives, uh, so you don't put a lot of pressure on your joints. But when you're playing on this synthetic turf. Something is going to give, and usually it's not going to be the turf. So uh, regardless of whatever turf they put on that's uh, on the field for the guys to play on, it's nothing like playing on natural grass. Okay, so you uh, are a defensive guy by nature. You love watching defensive players. T.J. Watt is back, man. This guy had a half a sack, six tackles, and he jumps up and makes an interception. I don't think people who haven't played football uh, really realize what a great play that was because Joe Burrow is throwing some heat there, and he just picked it out of the air. Uh, definitely. You know, T.J. Watt, you know, he, uh, anytime you have an in- impact player like that, you know, most of the time these guys, uh, their stats don't show up. Uh, you know, you someone who didn't really know the game or how the game is actually played, they would be looking for uh, Mr. Watts, I'm going to call him. Uh, uh, kind of like that movie, Talladega Nights. Yeah. He says, let me introduce you to Mr. Watts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, T.J. Watts, yeah, he he's bringing it, man. So, his stats don't show up. You would think he has. He would have 10, 12, 15 sacks. But that guy, believe me, offensive coordinators, offensive linemen, they're saying in their meeting rooms, okay, we have to know where T.J. Watts, uh, where he is lined up every play, and we're going to double him. So, But he still – isn't an impacted player. Like you say, knocking the ball down, catching interceptions, just making you say, whoa, I'm glad I bought my ticket today. Okay, so besides number 38 Tyrone Poole on defense, who made you buy your ticket and say, whoa, who did you play with that made you say, whoa, on defense? Was there a guy you're like, whoa, I'm glad he's on my team? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, uh you know, again, a lot of great players. Uh, again, I, I, I love Kevin Green, mm-hmm. uh, God rest his spirit. Um, I, I, Sam Mills, God rest his spirit. Uh, these are tough guys, man. Tough as nails, man. Tough as nails. And I think they even ate nails uh, <laughs> one a couple times. I've probably seen them for pregame meal. But uh, Rodney Harrison, uh, another, another tough guy. Um, you know, it's just so many – Guys that do different things. Uh, I think I, I thought Ty Law was a, uh, a very smart player. Uh, wasn't as athletic uh, as he probably would want to be, but he was a very smart corner. Put himself in uh, positions to make plays. Richard Seymour. Uh, man, you can go with Lamar Lathan. Lamar Lathan. A lot of people don't remember oh, yeah. Lamar Lathan, but he used to play with the old Houston Oilers. Lamar Lathan was about six five. Uh, man, if he got going, once he got going, oh, my goodness. I've never seen a guy 6'5", 260, that could actually get up to speed like he did. And when he got there, it was a a train wreck. So (laughs) the guy was fast, and he was a good player. 
This is our friend Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champ, original Carolina Panther, starting defensive back for 12 years in the National Football League, now with us here on the Sports Cage Weekly. We will get to more with Tyrone Poole on the other side of the break. This is the Sports Cage on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Continuing our great conversation with Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champ, original Carolina Panther. He's got a lot going on online, too. We'll get to that in a second. We've got a text here, Tyrone, from one of our listeners loving this segment, and it's from Tyler here in Regina. Tyrone, how do you feel about the Minnesota Vikings after that blowout yesterday? Was it just one of those games, or is it a real concern? Hey, Tyler, thank you for that question, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, You know what? I do look at it as a concern. Uh, Being a player, uh, I understand if you lose one time, okay, and let's go back and look at film. Uh, Of course, we all know uh, that the Vikings had a great run, meaning they were at one time just a one-loss team. At one time, they were an undefeated team. But now to kind of have those uh, uh, losses like they're having them, uh, yes, that is a little bit of concern uh, for me as a player because I'm like, okay, if we are who we are, like the late Denny Green would say, um, uh, they are who we thought they were. Yeah. So now people are beginning to say, okay, hold on, maybe the Vikings, you know, are not as good. It's almost like uh, that bully, you know, that bully who was beating up everybody, and then all of a sudden that bully runs across someone who stands up to that bully. Now you're like, hold on, you're not as bad as I thought you were. So, uh, again, I think it is a little bit of concern with me because what happens when you get into the playoffs? Okay, the playoffs is going to be good teams versus good teams. So uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Vikings uh, bounce back and if they can get on another run uh, heading into the late part of the season. Now, you, uh, you got in with an expansion team, so you probably took a couple on the chin. Do you ever remember a game where it just got away from you and you just couldn't wait for that clock to wind down and you're almost in, hey, I just got to make some business decisions here. I can't get hurt. Let's get to the next week. This one's over. Yeah, I think those games usually come towards the end of the season when you know you're not going to the playoffs and you're like, okay, hey, uh, you know, let's just not get hurt. So <laughs> I don't have to stay and go get treatment after this game because my airline ticket says I leave at uh, <laughs> 3 o'clock tomorrow. But, uh, uh, you know, we had such a great year, our first year in Carolina. We started, uh, we went 0-5. Uh, our first five games, and then we went on a tear, and we finished up the season. At the time, they were playing 16 games. Uh, we went seven, ended up seven and nine. Right. So I really haven't been on a team where we just got totally manhandled, and you're like running with your tail between your legs, so to speak. Uh, uh, I've always played with guys like the question you asked me before, Michael, some of the toughest guys. And those guys who are tough – they won't let you get to the point where your tail gets behind your leg. So I can't really think on a situation where I'm like, okay, man, I cannot wait to get this over. And I'm kind of glad that I would never really <laughs> think of a situation like that. So Devontae Adams had a great game. He actually uh, skated out to 94 yards and a touchdown in the first half. He was silenced for much of the second half, but then overtime got a wide open play there. Uh, the Pro Bowler earned 11.9 yards of separation from Patrick Sertain on the game-winning score. Just the third deep reception that Sertain has allowed in his career. Uh, 
Uh, those are two great players going at it one-on-one. I love that part of football. Who is the best route runner that you, Tyrone Poole, ever went against? Ooh, wow, man. There's so many good guys. Um, uh, Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce, uh, Hall of Famer, used to play with the uh, greatest show on turf. Yeah, the Rams. <laughs> uh, St. Louis Rams. Uh, Isaac Bruce was a phenomenal route runner. When you say a guy could stop on a dime and come out of his break, that was Isaac Bruce. Uh, you know, I played with you know Chris Carter. Yeah. Chris Carter. He wasn't a, a fast, uh, run-by-you type of receiver, so he had to sail his route a lot. Uh, and as they say, all he does is catch uh, touchdowns. Uh, you know, there are so many guys uh, that played the game, but those are the ones that uh, that I've covered, should I say, but those are the ones that really, when I look at it, I'm like, I had to, like, really hesitate to make sure, is this guy really running an out? Because they sold their route so good. So that's what makes a good route runner. You're able to sell them something when you're doing something else. It's a lon- it's got to be a lonely it's got to be a lonely feeling though when you're as good as Patrick Sertain and he is and you get burned so bad that the guy's that wide open and it's got that ball that ball you're like watching that ball like oh please drop it please drop it Yeah you know some of these guys they get beat because their eyes are in the backfield mm-hmm. in the backfield so I think if we were to go and look at the Coach's cam, yeah. coach's cam uh, a camera is that camera that you can see everything how that play is developing. And I bet we, we, if we look at it, we will find that uh, Patrick Satan was doing something that he was not supposed to do. Because you got to believe the guy being a pretty good doggone cover corner that he would have covered that route hip to hip if he had to do it over again. But I got to believe he probably had his eyes somewhere that they were not supposed to be, and Devontae used that, set him up, boom. Yeah. Hey, Travis Kelsey, injury-depleted Kansas City Chiefs team and the receivers. I think receivers one, three, and four were out of the lineup. All Kelsey does is score touchdowns like you talked about with Chris Carter. Three touchdowns, burned a pretty good safety, Derwin James on the last touchdown, and Patrick Mahomes called him the best tight end of all time. Who is the best tight end you've either played with or against when you play Tyrone Poole? Yeah, uh, you know, I remember uh, Antonio Gates. Antonio oh, Gates, yeah. you know, he's one that uh, drops uh, right off into my mind. You know, Antonio played basketball and football. So I guess the tight ends that I'm going to mention, they were dual sport guys, okay? Uh, of course, you know, we know about Tony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy there, uh, he was real good as well. Um, I didn't play against Gronkowski, but just his size just basically makes him just un you know you can't cover the guy uh Shannon Sharp another guy uh he's kind of like that H back type of guy uh uh not big enough to be the prototypical tight end and too big to be a wide receiver so he fits right in with today's uh game which I think if a healthy Shannon Sharp probably could play right now Jimmy Graham uh another guy uh but a one guy that I really like that really didn't have the productivity in the NFL that I thought he should have had was Vernon Davis. Vernon oh, yeah. Davis had the speed and the size. He just, I don't know what happened. 
I guess Mike Singletary just got to him too much. I don't know what happened. Tell you what, Ezekiel Elliott was the running back in Dallas, but I think the guy now is Tony Pollard. This guy had a 20-yard run, an 18-yard run, a 30-yard touchdown, a 68-yard grab over the shoulder catch. Just how tough is it as a defense to cover a a, a Pollard or a McCaffrey? I think that uh I think that Pollard, he reminds me of like that Eric Metcalf guy that used to play on the Cleveland Browns back in the day. His dad Terry played for the Toronto Argonauts up here. Yeah, you definitely, you know, guys that are versatile are the toughest guys to cover. Uh, you know, I even go back and think, okay, where would I put the, 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 the first letter of versatile, the V, versatile, okay, running back. I, I go back, I think about Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy could block, the guy could run, the guy could catch, the guy could throw. And, and that's what you see now, Pollard, I believe. I believe if the Cowboys gave him the ball and say throw it, I think he would be a doggone good passer as well. Uh, but I think about Marshall Falk. There's one guy that, that I played against that I'm like, Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. And Marshall was the oil that made the machine go. Uh, how, about like, L- how about LT, Ladanian Tomlinson? He could throw the ball too. Yes, LaDainian Thomason uh, was another good one. Thurman Thomas was another good one. But I think you think about guys like that, you always got to mention Roger Craig. Always got to oh, yeah. mention Roger Craig. So, but it's very tough. You, don't, you can't just say we're going to uh, make the defense to where we're going to take away the run because they would take that running back and motion him out. Now he's a wide receiver, and now you got a linebacker on the running back. So uh, with today's offenses, Michael, versatile running backs, you can't, you can't, you just, it, it's just a headache as a defensive coordinator trying to game plan for those guys. Former Charger, now Denver Bronco, Melvin Gordon fumbled for the fifth time this year, one near the goal line against the Raiders, kind of cost him the game he's been cut. Dwayne wants to know, texting in, hey, if you're the GM of the Broncos, Tyrone, they seem like a mess. What would you do to fix them? Well, you know, this is the part of the season, uh, Michael, you know, when you ask me, okay, have I ever been a part of a game where I just want to say, okay, man, let's just get this thing over yeah. with. This is probably where the Broncos are feeling. Yeah. Man, let's just get this nightmare over with. Let's wake up. Somebody shake me, pitch me, something. We got to do a overhaul during the off season. So, you know, again, Russell Wilson, they bring a Russell Wilson in thinking that he's going to be the guy, but I think Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, but I think he was a product of 10 other guys, uh, really true teamwork, allowing his versatility and accuracy in his passing. So when you don't have a good running game, then it puts too much pressure on the quarterback. I don't care who you are as a quarterback. If you don't have no running game, then you are a sitting duck because teams are going to say, you know what? We're going to take away the pass. And if you can't run the ball, it makes it tough. So I think the Broncos are going to do an overhaul and try to bring in some guys. I really don't know how they are as far as, as, far as with the cap, but I'm pretty sure John Elway is thinking about next year. All right. So that work that thing player, explain what it is and tell us who your work that thing player is this week. Ah, work that thing. Work that thing basically says this player – did everything possible to overcome any obstacle, anything that tried to hinder their team from losing, and they ended up having a productive game, and the team also winning. Okay, so they worked that thing. You got to win as well. So 
I've been on the offensive side for the last couple of weeks, and there's some good offensive performances. Joe Burrow, you know, uh, Daniel Jones, uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, uh, even had a pretty good game. He was 22 for 27, 33 yards, two touchdowns, had one interception. But I got to go defense this time. I'm going to go with Nick Bolton, Kansas City linebacker against the Chargers. I saw that game. He had 14 total tackles, 10 solos, 10 solos. He's a tackling machine, four assists, and had a forced fumble and an interception. You talk about the interception that J.J., I'm going to say his brother, but T.J. Watt, the interception. Well, Nick uh, Bolton, he did it as well for Kansas City. So he's my work that thing player for this week. Awesome. And where can people get a hold of you if they want to find out what you're doing, supplements and all that type of thing? Yes. Thank you, Michael. Hey, everyone, if you want to find out what I'm doing, if you want to get me to come in to motivate you, or if you just want to get healthy, okay, body-wise, go to TyronePool38.com. Again, it's TyronePool38.com. My first name, my last name, and my football number, TyronePool38.com. Talk to you next Monday, Tyrone. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Michael. Love you. We'll have more of the sports cage in a moment on 620. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. Brought to you by our good friends over there at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. I was very happy, Arash, that I got to go for supper with you and Brian Golly. Mm-hmm. Hang, out, hang out in person at the cottage. I think I turned you on to a new restaurant, didn't I? Yes, you did. We were back there. We had a crew dinner on... Uh Saturday night, so shout out to the folks of the cottage. What a great place. Yeah, it's really nice. Good ambience, not overly big, a great menu, and uh, absolutely great service, so thanks to the gang over there, South Albert. Uh, you know, um, pe- people are like, oh, the... Listen, I think the game looked good on TV. Yes, it wasn't sold out in terms of everybody redeeming their ticket. The Grey Cup was sold out. People bought tickets. Can't help it if they didn't want to go. I thought it was, uh, it was a great game. It didn't start great, but it was good. I don't think there's much to bitch about uh, about it that game. Unless you're a fan of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, uh, hey, as the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I <laughs> said, that's why you're so yeah, excited. I said all week the best case scenario for Rider Nation is have Winnipeg win the West final as much as I like Nathan Rourke. Winnipeg brings their fan base here. They spend all their money, and then they go home losers, and nobody really cares about Toronto. They're the Buffalo Sabres of the CFL. If they win, hey, they won. If they lose, well, they lost. Nobody really cares. Ballsy, I am baffled. I am baffled by what we saw from Winnipeg. I am stunned at how dreadful Zach Caleros was in that football game. Yeah, he was bad. I do not attribute it to the ankle. But even more than, than Zach's struggles, I was downright stunned by the usage of Dakota Proka by Buck Pierce in that football game. Wow, why throw that pass? Well, let's even let's even go back a little bit. In the first half, it's second and two. Relative short yardage, right? 
Yep. They don't go with Prukup. Their third-string quarterback there. Zach's on the field for that one. They get the first down. On first and 10 inside the 15, yep. Dakota Prukup comes onto the field and he's throwing the football. Then, the one you're discussing, this is, to me, unforgivable. You open the fourth quarter taking a punt back to the house. You go up two scores. Okay, Toronto comes down. They kick a field goal. You're still up a touchdown. You have the ball at midfield, and you don't go with the most outstanding player in the league. Instead, your third-string quarterback who heaves up a throw to nobody and it gets picked off? Yeah. Uh, and look, Michael Shea's on the headset. This, this had to have been part of their plan. So who so Mike would have greenlit this? Yeah. So so uh, does that you know everybody talked about Buck Pierce? That does that drop his stock? Uh, talk about some coaching stock after that game, Arash. Well, look to me, and this is not being talked about really anywhere. The masterpiece last night was Corey Mace. Like this was a Winnipeg offense that has been electric and dynamic. And the Argos defense in his first year as coordinator ever at the pro level, Corey Mace's defense was superb for Toronto. So on the coaching front, Balzi, here's what I can tell you. Ottawa, expect the following to be getting head coach interviews with the Red Blacks very soon. I believe this week. Mark Washington, the defensive coordinator in Hamilton. Kahari Jones, former head coach. Montreal, who's now on the staff with the Tiger Cats. I'm told Mark Killam, the special, longtime special teams coach in Calgary, he's going to get an interview. Bob Dice is going to get an interview. I'm told Buck Pierce is on the list. <laughs> don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't believe that one game is going to change that plan. So those are among the names I've been led to believe will be getting interviews with the Red Blacks for the for the head coaching position this week. Okay, so there's an interesting one because we're on the Bo Levi Mitchell watch here, okay? Yeah. And I really believe the Riders still are a front runner. Uh not that they're going to get him, but they're the front runner, I believe. But I know Bo Levi Mitchell loves Mark Killam, and I know a lot of guys in that Calgary dressing room love Mark Killam. He is the heavy. When they got to drop the hammer in that locker room, it's not Dave Dickinson, it's Mark Killam. They'd run through a wall for that guy. I wonder if Mark Killam gets the job, all of a sudden Bo's like, hmm, Ottawa, it's a good football city. And here's what's interesting about the Ottawa situation. You know what the Red Blacks don't have on their staff? an offensive play caller because remember Paul Lapolice was the head coach in OC mm-hmm. and will aren't the former quarterback kind of took over that a little bit, but effectively there is no offensive coordinator in Ottawa right now. So if Killam gets that job, there's no defensive coordinator either, but if Killam gets that job or if anybody gets that job, it's a, you know, you're not inheriting much there from, you know, and you have a pretty clean staff cap because you get to give uh, Lapo the mulligan from a cap standpoint. So that is, um, that's an intriguing one. Would kill him, for instance, bring Mark Mueller over to Ottawa if he gets the Ottawa job. Look, we're at the point of the, the off season. We're a day in. There's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of dominoes that could fall. So let's map out scenarios. Look, if I'm Mark Killam, maybe I say to Mark, you're going to get a two-year contract as an OC, and you're going to be my play caller, and maybe we'll work on Bo. 
Or maybe we think we can make it work with Arbuckle. Or who knows where Jeremiah Masoli's health is going to be. Some around the Red Blacks feel that Masoli may be ready for opening day. So there, there are a lot of kind of balls up in the air right now, but that's where those things stand right now. Well, the Riders, obviously, will talk to their running backs coach. Craig, uh, Craig Dickens had told us that on the show earlier. Also, it's been reported Kahari Jones and Mark Mueller are on the list to be talked to for the OC. I'm still standing by what I'm thinking is going to happen. I say if I was putting down my Canadian tire money, I would bet it on Bo Levi Mitchell as the quarterback and Mark Mueller as the offensive coordinator here. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting scenario. Here Here's where I find this all very intriguing. Most coordinators, offensive, defensive, even special teams, are now getting two-year contracts when they sign places. Mm -hmm. They're getting a little bit of a leash. Okay, why is that significant? Well, because O'Day and Dickinson are on expiring deals. So I doubt they're going to offer an OC a two-year deal and... Even if they do, it's going to be a little awkward when you sign a two-year deal when you don't know who the head coach may be after next season if the Riders don't do well. Well, for that reason, now Dickinson is getting a chance to hire his own guy, but you don't know that you don't think he'd want to hire his successor. But my thing is this: as an organization, would you look to bring in a Kahari Jones as the OC? Because if things go south for this uh, team, you have to make a move maybe mid-season. At least you have a guy on your staff that has head coaching experience. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I think that's a real big part of it. Yeah, so interesting times. Uh, hey, listen, I got a text from Dwayne. Says he loves your segment on the show, which I do too. I echo his thoughts. Well, I appreciate it, Dwayne. But Dwayne wants to know this from both of us, but I'll defer to you. Was Chad Kelly's run more impressive than the hit he took? That is unbelievable, Arash. And Dwayne goes on to say, I love the compete he expresses. Or, uh, he Absolutely. Showed, so so, so, so I want to I ask your opinion on Chad Kelly, but I want to start by saying, how in the bloody hell does the official throw a flag on Brandon Banks, who likes to flap his gums, but let the guys play there late in the game, but you don't throw a flag on the guy who gets hit in the head by the Winnipeg defender? What are they watching? Yeah, and and I don't know what Brandon Banks said, but I hear you there. You know what, and, and Dwayne, love the question, love, love the competitiveness from Chad Kelly. I'll say a few things on this. One, and I'm going to get back to Kelly in a sec, but when you think about the Ryan Hunter idiotic penalty late in the game, when you think about the Banks penalty, idiotic late in the game, selfish, moronic, all those things, those are the kind of penalties that should be fatal for a football team. Yes. They weren't for Toronto. And give, look, give full marks to the Argos for winning that sucker. Winnipeg could not get out of its own way. They had no poise down the stretch. They had no ability to finish. And a lot of that, to me, falls on Zach. He, he was bad for a lot of the game, gets the ball inside four minutes, throws a pick. Gets another chance at it with two minutes to go. Sacked on third down. No idea what he was doing on third down. Gets another reprieve from the governor on the face mask call and (laughs) then gets it to Ellingson. But they just couldn't find a way. And Toronto does with Chad Kelly, a rookie who gets into the huddle after McLeod, you know, bangs his thumb off of Jackson Jeffcoat's helmet. And Chad Kelly has the presence of mind ballsy. I was talking to some of the Argo players last night. He gets in the huddle, and he looks at the guys who said, 
blitz is coming, be ready for your hot routes. Like this isn't a dude who's, who's, you know, a poised vet who's experienced this before, who understands what the fourth quarter of a championship game is like. He's a rookie and he understood what the situation was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who the Argo starting quarterback is going to be at the start of next season. I really don't. I, truthfully, Balti, I don't know if the Argos do. No, I don't think they do. I don't think but they I'll do. I'll tell you this. I really believe the second half of next season, Chad Kelly's their starting quarterback. Very interesting. Hey, uh, Brian wants to know, or Brian wants our thoughts on this. Hey, guys, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Harris plays one more year and back with the Bombers. What do you think? <laughs> so I was making this point. I was on with uh, with uh, Donovan Bennett on Tim and Friends. Understand this: Andrew Harris wanted to return to Winnipeg this season, and he couldn't get an answer from Mike O'Shea. Like Mike O'Shea was ghosting Andrew Harris. It they got to free agency, and still there was no decision made by the Bombers on Andrew Harris. And that's when Toronto came calling and Andrew's like, okay, I'm taking the money because they're offering me a bunch. The team I just helped lead to two straight great cups. I'm from here. We helped change the culture. I've been a focal point of this offense. They never really even heard much from, you know, Andrew never really heard much from the team. So I, with, with the way Brady Oliveira's carrying the football, I don't think they're going to go back to Andrew but I, and I thought I thought Andrew Harris handled himself a lot more professionally than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did in that divorce. I agree. Okay, uh, a couple more quick questions for you. I thought your tweet was very revealing. Uh, you know, you went back and did some great research on the different Grey Cup annual State of the League addresses from the Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, and it's yeah. basically the same thing. There, we're beginning a new beginning. He said it like since 2018. Yeah, and I just don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I, I just think that a lot of what's happening here is just, it's, it's, it's just a rudderless ship right now. Uh, it's, it's almost like the balloon that just came out of air and is just fizzling all over the place with no real direction on where it's going. I mean, look, I'm watching the NFL pregame show right now. They're in the Azteca in Mexico City. I'm old enough to remember the 20... Uh, the 2018 Grey Cup, where the Mexican Football Federation, they were signing contracts at the end of Ambrosi's press conference, and Ambrosi said, we're going to be playing games there. Oh, no, you're not. Uh, you know, uh, it's just been on and on. Look, he's saying we don't have any substantial revenue from the global program, but we're going through with it. The one thing that connected in the off season, the fans, the state, your main stakeholders with the players in the league, CFL week. Balzi, you asked the question. They're not going to do it. I, I really got the sense this week that the CFL is in a real pinch financially. I think they're, they have some real financial issues, and it's, it's costing them right now when it comes to, you know, connecting with their fans, connecting with their people, and that, that's a big problem. Well, and that's it. That's what I was getting at. Like, that's where I'm going with this last question. You were here. You've gone to a lot of big-time events. 
I just want your thoughts on this Grey Cup Festival. And this is what we need in the spring. We need that CFL week back. It's already a week in Edmonton. They're doing it for five days. Why not put it every year right here in Regina? You got the facility. You know it's going to be well attended. This will be your your uh, second party of the year right here in Regina. Every year. And what did Randy's, what was Randy's answer to that? Because we, we have to create more content like the QEW series. Yeah. And, like basically a CFL version of a 30 for 30. We're going to do like what? Yeah. Here's the thing though, Arash, and I didn't have time. I would have followed it up. You don't, you're just slowly broadcasting the draft more and more. And you didn't even broadcast the darn player awards the week of the Grey Cup. What? I hear you. I hear you. Frustrating. What did you think of the week? What did you think of this week here? Um, I thought, you know what I truly thought, Balzi? That was a lot of joy and a lot of relief for a lot of people who haven't been able to do this for a few years, and they really enjoyed it. Um, I got to Ryderville to see you on Thursday. I didn't get there Friday and Saturday, but I heard it was absolutely jammed. Yeah, it was. My... And, and I thought overall, very well done. Here's my concern. And I, and I mean this sincerely. It felt like I was seeing some of all of the same faces I've been seeing since I went to my first one in 2001. Yeah. Um, you know, people, have, people who have been to double-digit Grey Cups now. I wasn't seeing many people at their first or their second or their third or their fourth. The CFL has a major issue right now connecting with young fans and having some kind of affinity, excuse me, affinity with a young fan base. And that became very glaring to me this year, especially because it had been a few years since there was a true festival, that there isn't a new wave of fan taking over. It's still the usual suspects. And that is, that is a, that is a major concern if you're the CFL. It's a good point, Arash. Can't wait to talk to you later in the week. Like I said, it was great to break bread with you live, and we'll talk soon, okay? Okay, thanks, Bozzi. Take care, buddy. That is Arash Madani. We'll be back to wrap the show up in a moment. It's a sports cage for our friends at Andrew Shared Limited on 6. With Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Well, Josh Haggerty of Regina did not play in the game because of a foot injury, but he did win a great cup sipping out of the trophy. The trophies that you can drink out of are the best. Not the Lombardi Trophy or the World Cup Trophy. It's the Grey Cup. It's the Stanley Cup. He got the drink out of that trophy. We will talk about that tomorrow here on the Sports Cage. We'll also hear from his old coach, Scott Flores. They get ready to head to uh, Western, to uh, the site of Western, University of Western Mustangs, London, Ontario, for the Vanier Cup. Glenn Suter will join us. uh, And we'll hear from Dennis Gore, Ryder fan in Buffalo. Did he finally dig out from the snow? What did he think of the Grey Cup? We'll take your calls to tomorrow. Uh, Troy Aikman, who is doing the broadcast tonight in Mexico, is 56 today. Now, if you want to get him a gift, you can't go wrong with earplugs. I mean, he works next to Joe Buck in the broadcast booth. It's the same thing Luke Mullender's asked for for Christmas, by the way. Uh, speaking of the World Cup, there were three games today. It was uh, England winning, Wales and the U.S. tied, and Netherlands won 2 nothing over Senegal. Qatar's banned beer sales at the World Cup. I can't imagine watching soccer without beer. Then again, I can't imagine watch, uh, watching soccer with beer.
Okay, not going to lie to you. 31% of North Americans exercise less in the winter because it's too cold, dark, and awful. But that doesn't mean you have to be plump either. There are a lot of options for staying trim when it's cold outside. Here are some of the top ways to burn calories this winter other than exercise, uh, you know, according to the sports cages, Nick and I did up this list for you, okay? Hurl the TV out your window after another Green Bay Packers loss. That's a way. Nick's a Packers fan. He's in great shape throwing his TV out the window. Uh, you can also burn calories by running off with baby Jesus from your neighbor's nativity scene. They'll chase you down the road. Um, lightning can strike you, by the way, in the winter uh, in Saskatchewan. Uh, climbing up to your roof of the house to escape your in-laws. <laughs> I mean, uh, hang holiday lights. That's another way to uh, burn off calories instead of exercising in the in the winter. Um, you can punch carolers when they come to your house. You know, Feliz Navidad. Shut up. And the, uh, the top way to burn calories this winter, other than exercise, according to Nick Katzmar and Ballsy here at the Sports Cage, um... Drag a mattress to the garage after your significant other kicks you out of the house for making an ass of yourself at their holiday Christmas party. Okay? By the way, we got our party coming up. You going to the party, Nick? Nick's going to the party. He'll be drunk by 8.30. Anyway, that'll do it for our show. We got a great show lined up tomorrow. Uh, We will have... uh, uh, once again, Josh Haggerty, Scott Flory, two Regina boys. One won a championship, the other aspiring to do so. Glenn Souter will join us, talk about his big induction breakfast that he had for the Football Reporters of Canada that I attended on Sunday. Talk about uh, his thoughts on the Grey Cup. We'll also talk some hockey, too. By the way, NHL scores right now. Oh, my Edmonton Oilers. It's just because I picked them. They're losing one nothing to the Devils. Calgary Flames, I believe it's a one nothing score for the Flames over the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, Leafs, and uh, Islanders getting going right away. Jets and Hurricanes as well. That'll do it for my time. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.